It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Chessie Hour. Uh, my name is Dan um, and I'm here with Babs. What are you saying, Babs? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too bad, not too bad. I, I love how you say, how you introduce all like, yeah, my, my name is Dan. I'm sure the listeners have been listening for years and they, and they know who you are. But yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. How, how, how are you? Yeah, but we might have new listeners. Do you know what I'm saying? True. And speaking about new listeners, Dan. Yeah. You might need to make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. You know, we're trying to grow the pod, so make sure you guys are introducing us to new listeners so they can be introduced to, you know, the likes of myself and then the rest of the Touchline community. 100%. And I think what is good about our podcast, I think anyway, is that there's loads of Chelsea podcasts out there, but I think we offer something a little bit different. How we're different, that's for you to tell your friends, but yes, please share. Um, So we are, we're going to talk about Chelsea as we always do. Um, it feels like a long time since we've had a game. I'm just used to a game every two or three days. But especially when you don't get the points, it feels long because you just want a, another game to get over the hump. So obviously, last game we played uh, was Fulham. William dunked on us again. <laughs> William, maybe it's a good place to start, Babs, because um, Pedro scored an amazing goal during the week for Lazio. And I remember when... And this is not I tell I told you so type territory, but I remember when Pedro and William, like the way Chelsea fans talked about them, they was like the worst players ever. And I remember uh, when Lampard came in and he kind of wanted to give the squad an uplift because everyone was rubbish under Sari and Hazard carried us and he left, so we was left with all of the dead weight and the dead word and what we was gonna do. But the hope was there was a young Pulisic. 
and there was a grand Callum Hudson Doy, and we were getting Tammy and Mount, and do you know what I'm saying? There, there was hope because obviously, newness. I think our fans like newness, and I'll get into it a little bit more. But William, we played Fulham twice, and from my perspective, from what I've seen from William, and don't forget this is an older William. This is William that went to Brazil, come back. Um, he looked like one of the most dynamic players on the field in both games, right? And this is a player that a lot of people was like, what does he offer? He does nothing, etc., etc." And I think he was a thorn in our side for both games. Does that mean I'm saying, yo, let's try and get William back? No. But I think it's an interesting point to bring up because, again, you, you wouldn't think that he was he could do anything the way that a lot of Chelsea fans described him. You wouldn't think that Pedro offered anything. I had to um, argue with a lot of people when I was saying that that season when Lampard came on, I was like, no, nah, Pedro should start because we need goal-scoring wingers. Um, and Pedro is that. He's a goal threat. Um, it was like, no, he's the worst, he's the worst, he's the worst. So, come forward to today, Pedro and William, they're old news, but in true Chelsea fashion, when we buy players two, three years later, as the baggage of disappointment, especially when we don't kind of have success in the Premier League, as the baggage of disappointment mounts up on each of these players, no pun intended, by the way, but mounts up for every single player, then after about two, three years of baggage, then there's all that emotional baggage of seeing players miss and, you know what I'm saying, and seeing players for what they really are rather than the kind of fake catfish version of them because they haven't you haven't seen them week in, week out. Usually what happens is people want everybody out. Most people, 95% of the squad out because they're dead wood. Um, and then they when they leave, that catfish picture comes up again and they're like, oh, they look good and they look better than everyone we've got. So... The reason why I bring that up is because obviously Fulham, we we didn't manage to win that game. And it was a big disappointment because we've spent so much money. And I think there was big anticipation for us. Obviously, when we played Liverpool, they're a big team. And so the fact that it was a draw then and we saw Mudrich come on and he was amazing. But I think the Fulham game, people wanted to see a night and day difference. Um and I don't think they saw that. I know that some older players like ZH played. But what's your thoughts on... Briefly, because it's a long time ago, but how disappointed were you with the, the draw? You know what? Um, on paper, obviously, whenever you do get a draw, you are going to be naturally disappointed. But just due to the circumstances going into the game, it didn't really shock me, you know, in terms of, like, players coming together, you know, a lot of new signings and intake, you know, Enzo, that being his first game straight off the bat, you know, straight from Benfica and just a lot of other circumstances going into the game. Um, obviously, you'd you'd hope for the three points, but I wasn't disappointed in, in that regard, just given the various different factors. Okay. I think football's emotional, right? And so... Mm. With, Agreed. Yeah, with these conversations... Like, I always try to not have conversations with Chelsea fans because I feel like sometimes they try to use me to deal with their emotions as, like, a therapist. And it's like, you deal with your emotions. I don't like, I don't mind having these conversations, like, a week later um, because I think a everyone's a little bit more calmed down. But off of the back of that Fulham game, um, Kai Havertz was a big talking point because he did have two big chances and he didn't score those big chances. And um, I think there was a lot of frustration. That's what I saw with Kai Havertz. Um, 
And the finishes, I remember one was a chip. Like, if it went in, I mean, everybody will celebrate. But the fact that it didn't, it's one of those, like, you know, when you take a penalty and you just kind of put it down the middle without any power, etc. When it goes in, it's great. But if it doesn't, there's a lot of frustration around it. And then I think the second chance, was it Mount that crossed it across the box? And then it hit a defender, a slight, slight touch on the defender. So Havertz wasn't able to get to it, but they were like two big chances. I think those were the two big chances, I'm correct. Um, but especially because we draw as well, then people would be looking at it thinking, man, if only we scored one of those big chances. If only we had a proper striker there to do that. Um so it opens up the questions about Kai Havertz, to be fair. I mean, after Shems wanted answers from me, and I said, listen, Shems, we can talk about it on the pod, but I think he's calmed down now. But um, what? so what? where are you at on Kai Havertz? I know you're really, you're happy to move on from Kai Havertz, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to move on. I, I, think it's, I think it's high time we just let go of that situation. I, I think with players, you know, I think you, you can kind of just tell when the guy, the player themselves wants a new, a, a new start. You know, yeah. and, and, and what you look at, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking just in general. Like, when you look at sometimes like the, the, the players, like body language on the pitch, you know, at the end of games, you, you can just tell that sometimes it, you maybe you just need a new environment and just somewhere new to start. And I think that may just be it for him. But yeah, in, in general, I, I'm, I think it's high time that he, he moves on, and I'm not exactly um, encouraged by what I've seen to, to, that, that that would, you know, really like make me say, okay, okay, let's go again this season. Because this season was was a season where, whereby a lot of us were, you know, were, were excited. I was excited, you know, when we did our predicted lineups, you know, he, he was in my lineup, you know, I, I had him leading the line, you know, quite, I think everybody um, who did their lineup, you know, within the cast had him up top. You know, there was a lot of excitement coming off how we ended the season, you know, the Newcastle game, you know, the Wolves game. So, even the Villa game, so, so there was there was a lot of positives from like how we played last season, and and just in terms of like it looking like it was coming together, you know, in, in terms of his general play. But with him, it just feels like he's not really putting it together. And 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 for me personally, you know, if he if he was to play in the ten where like a lot of people wanted to play, I look at what's on the market. You know, we've got here in Jar Felix, that is night and day. You know, in Kunku's already coming in, so that's another body there. And if he's as good as people have say, are saying he is, I don't really see where Havertz fits in that position. We really see what Havertz looks like looks like out wide, you know. And we've really brought in Montnoni um, Madueke. We brought in Mudrik. We still got Sterling, you know. So there's still there's still, there's plenty of wingers out there already in, in our team, and they're all a lot better than him out wide. I mean, you look at up, up top of the number nine. I think yeah, he does have his benefits. You know, his link up play and his hold up play can be a benefit to Chelsea. Because we don't have that profile in other striker, like for instance, Broha, we know he's a brilliant channel striker, but when he's playing, he's not really going to give you the hold of that you'll get from Havertz, you know, or, or occupy centre backs in that same way. Same for um, Aubameyang. Whereas someone like Fofana, he, he does have that in, in, in spurts, and I'd be a lot more um, encouraged to have Fofana as, as the um, secondary striker to a main guy. And I just think with what what Kai offers you in terms of the, the link up, you know, the aerial ability you know, the ability to um, occupy centre-backs. I think if you get a striker, you know, who's going to offer you even just like 10%, you know, more in terms of like his, his actual all-round game, in terms of in front of goal, you know, the finishing, the, the ball striking, the, the consistency of the ball striking, I just think you're just going to get, a, I think it's just going to be a lot more beneficial to, to the team. But that's just me personally. And yeah. Yeah. 
So what I'd say about with, with Kai Havertz is I had him in my team, but I said um, the reason why I'd have him in my team as, well, to be fair, I did say that we need the striker. I've always said that we need the striker because I've never seen him as that, like the, your primary you know, goal chaser. I don't think he's ever been that. And I think it's been a misprofiling. Um, and I've said it before, I think with too cool that he kind of encouraged that, but he's he's never been that. Um, and the only reason why I didn't ha- have a striker in my lineup, and I said it on the pod, is because I wanted Jao Felix because I feel like we needed Jao Felix, and I think people have seen a glimpse in why. And to be fair, if I saw Bowley spending since, then I would have been more encouraged to um, just basically change the whole squad. But my, my whole idea as well with Brojar around was actually um, let's spend the big, the marquee signing on Jao Felix. Let's give Brozier some air as well to be someone that can kind of show himself that he can be a striker um, for us as well. And then go again and buy that striker the next season. Um, with with Kai Havertz, I think what I, where, where I wanted to interrupt you there is like, I feel like people do this a lot where you can tell that he even he wants to go. I feel like it's better for people to speak for themselves because I think sometimes people project. No, no, no. I, I, I definitely agree. And, and, and I yeah, get what you mean. It's just projecting, but... Yeah, let me just finish. Let me just finish. Okay, but uh, with, with Kai Havertz, for, to be fair, I see a lot of frustration because I see that he kind of especially the Fulham game, I think it was just frustrating. I've seen it that kind of frustration before where it's like he knows it's on him. And I think he's tried to accept the responsibility. And I think it's difficult because <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like when I see Brozier and Kai play, you can tell one is a striker and one's not. And um, when you said that there's a lot of people put him in nine, for me, playing that role doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the golden boot chaser. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and... Like when, like I said before, when Brozier plays, he plays like a striker. You can see that he's a proper striker, um, and I definitely think we need that profile in our team. I don't think we have to keep Kai. I'm not someone that says, "Oh, we have to keep him," and it just has to. I don't. I don't like we've seen with the whole team. We don't have to keep anyone. Um, it is. It is a shame. What I'd say is, even though we don't have to keep everyone, I don't think it's healthy for us to become more like a hotel than a house where it feels like we are revolving door revolving door um a lot and what i kind of referred to earlier and i think it's happening and it's because we've got money as well where players are becoming a bit more disposable which i don't like um at chelsea so even a player that we might spend loads of money on people kind of give up on them after six months increasingly. I can understand if it's one really, really bad fit, but increasingly you're seeing how disposable um, new newcomers are, are becoming at Chelsea. I think it's, it's very um, regretful that, like, that. I think it's an offshoot of money. Obviously, the more money you have, the more cavalier you can be about things. But I don't think that makes for a good club with a, with a good soul. Um, almost like when I talk about renters, do you know what I'm saying? You're not going to take care of a house as much when actually, you know, there's people that have been there and that care about it. And bigger than Kai Havertz, because again, it's not necessarily about Kai Havertz, but when you're buying players at 20 or even at 30, because again, I don't like the kind of whole youth focus thing. Um, Because we see it with Thiago Silva. McAuley came at 32. But when you're buying players, um, I just feel like 
people kind of hit the expired button too quickly. Um, and yeah, so for me, I've, I've said it before, I think transfer windows sometimes, that's transfer ban, sorry. Like, I know we've only had one of them, but oh, I'd love a couple of transfer bans back to back. And it's not to say that I can't see an improvement. Do you know what I'm saying? Of course, you can always look at a team thinking, maybe that player improves us here. Maybe that player improves us there. But um, teams, it's not necessarily about making sure you have the best player in every single position to compete. That's not, it's never been that. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, And I think my worry is, kind of like I referred to before, is that with William, you can see season after season that a lot of emotional baggage kind of mounts up on these players. And so when, like Kepa, for instance, um, I think Kepa this season, I don't think it's bad for me to say that he's had a good season since he's come in, especially considering what people predicted. As soon as, as, soon as Kepa started playing, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be the worst. He's going to be conceding every three games. And now... If you say that he's done good, they're like, no, he's done he's done good. He made a mistake here and there. I was like, yeah, goalkeepers make mistakes. What you predicted for what he's done compared to what he's done, not just in terms of the fact that, yeah, look, maybe we've had some games with conceded goals, but a lot of the times, I don't think it's defence that's the issue. It's really attack that's the issue. And obviously, there have been shots on goals. Even statistically, he's making saves and outperforming goalkeepers. Now, I don't know too much about goalkeeper stats and statistics. Maybe we're just not in a place where... Those statistics make sense. But for for what people were saying, um, how bad Keppel has been, he hasn't been as bad as they said that he's been. Now, if Keppel was a new goalkeeper with these performances, it's my belief that because there's no baggage there, if someone said this goalkeeper's done well that we just bought and he had the same performance as Keppel, no one would say shit. But because the baggage there, people don't even want you to say this player's done good because they're afraid. They're like, oh no, he's going to stick around. And I want to get rid of all the baggage. And the only reason why I talk about this is because if you keep on going like that, this is what I'm talking about, the revolving door policy in terms of it feels like a two, three year. After two or three years, everybody wants to get rid of all of these players that all of this emotional baggage has been built up on. And they just want to get fresh players. And they seem like the answer. But just remember, we've done this a couple of times before, not even just a couple of times. And a lot of the times where the freshness is easy because there's no baggage there. But soon enough, frustration will build just like it has before. Now, obviously, the hope is that all these new players will remain baggage-less. Um, but I'm just saying, as a caveat, we've always had money and we've always spent big money. And that it just there's going to be loads of players that now you're going to be excited about that there's going to be that same baggage about. So that's all I want to say. Um, but on, on just quickly, round up on Havertz... Um, what I think about is that game obviously had two big chances and um, I saw I saw stats which was good. Stats came out about big chances and the reason why I think this is important is because if, even if Havertz doesn't, isn't the guy and I think with Aubameyang and Giroud and all of these guys, I think it's important this big chance thing because regardless of what striker comes along, I think it's important knowledge to know that you can have two big chances in the game and you can miss those two big chances. And I don't think you're an awful striker. I don't think that because the over a long period, they've collected data. And if you score one in two big chances, then you're trending 
amongst the best strikers in the Premier League since 2010. Like a lot of the best strikers have one in two in terms of big chances, and that's the at the best. So if the best have one in two, you can't use that as an expectation. Do you know what I'm saying? And so the reason why I say this is because I get it, especially in games where Chelsea don't win. Immediately, you're going to think about that big chance. If only that went in, but that guy fucked up the three points and now I'm angry at that guy. But what I'm saying is you watch Mbappe play loads of times. He'll miss big chances all the time. A lot of the a lot of the best players miss big chances. So whereas I do agree, there are some players like I don't think Kai is a killer like that. He, you know what I'm saying? I know killer Kai, but he's not a killer like that. I think he can be a big game player in big games. He can rise it. But um, when I see Kai through on one on one, I'm not confident. There are some players, and that's what Chelsea kind of need. And I think those are the difference makers um, that are killers one on one. Like when they're through, you're like, okay, I back him to do it. And I do think that Chelsea kind of need that type of player. But even they miss big chances. Even they miss big chances. I think um, the whole um, number 10 thing, et cetera, et cetera. To be fair with Kai, wherever he goes, if he does leave this season anyway, wherever he goes, I don't think it's him. I think he can play up top again. I think he needs to be paired with a goal scorer. I've literally always said this since the beginning. Um and um, I think he can play. I honestly think he can play anywhere across the front, um, even wide. Again, it really depends on the execution. But I think he's had several really, really good games wide. Um, but again, it depends on the execution. I think with Fafana, who came on, and again, Fafana, I think it was a good save. He had it on target. He rounded the goalkeeper. Um, I, I don't know if that, that was count, uh, counted as a big chance or not. But I saw comparisons where it's like, look at Fafana's dribbles compared to Kai. Yeah, Fafana's a dribbler. Kai's not a dribbler. It's like comparing Kai's aerials to <laughs> to that for Fafana. Yeah, they're just different profiles. Um, and to be fair, from what I saw from Fafana and Fulham, I like what he brings. But again, the reason why I bring on up Fafana, and I hope it's all good, but how surprising would it be if in two, three years, people are going to be like, Fafana's dead wood. Let's get a better backup striker because the drop-off is too much. Do you know what I mean? And so... Th- I just think it's important um, for the Chelsea community at least, because I'm not, I can't talk to all of Chelsea, but the Chelsea community at least is like the baggage that builds up on these players, they're, they're going to build up on all players. And I know that the only thing that kind of gets rid of that baggage is trophies and wins. That's usually what kind of, and so hopefully we do win trophies, but I think people need to be mindful that we can't do this thing where it's like, Let's buy a whole fresh new batch of people. And the reason why they're excited is because they've got no baggage because it's not sustainable to keep on turning those them over. And that's just my my opinion on it. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I get what you mean in terms of um, um the, the whole high turnover thing. But my only question to, to you on, on Havertz, you know, based on what you just said, I know you, you, you've mentioned pre- many, many times he's not a golden boot chaser. But what, what do you expect of him? Yeah, you know, I think in terms of a, think, in terms of a goal rate, what what do you expect from him in terms of like his I think overall goal rate, play? I think goal rate. No, uh, not just goals, but like his overall yeah, play. Yeah. Like, no, I think yeah. goal rate. I think goal rate number one, um, two two in five. I think that's kind of what he's shown. Two in five, which is kind of good to support. Do you know what I'm saying? I think he's a two in five type of player. That's just not good to be your main goal scorer. And then in general play, 
Um, he's someone, again, that is hardworking. And I think that's important as a base for all strikers, but not just strikers, just attacking players. And I think that's good. Um, I think his movement's good. So the chances that he that just didn't get in was down to his good movement. And it's not always that the players get there. So the movement's good. Um, I think that he's someone that, in terms of obviously just the heading, I think that's one of his best um, ability. Um, and especially in our team, we don't necessarily have that. So I think that's important. Um, and I think he really, with other ballers, he links up really well. And I think a lot of the times where it was, some of the times, not all of the times, because sometimes it's just cumbersome. It's just cumbersome. But I think sometimes in the last match where he had some quick thinking, um, it it didn't kind of work with Mount. Um, and I was just thinking if Felix was there, he would have seen that. And so it almost looked like a, a misplaced pass, but it's just like Mount wasn't kind of quick enough. And I think already we've kind of seen it with Felix. And I'd, I think you'd see it more. I think you'd see it a lot more. Um, and I think even in that game in Fulham, there were a few really good counterattacks that was just based off of Kai's link-up. Um, but there's there's the downside as well. I'm not saying there's not the downside, but I think what you get from him is someone that, again, running in behind causes teams, like, obviously, damage because he's obviously always running in behind. He's someone that's a really good goal threat. He's someone that's good at link-up. And then also, in terms of the creation thing, I don't think he's a playmaker. Like, I feel like I've said this before, but there's a difference between playmaker and creator. But I think, especially in a team like with someone with Felix, um, the way that I see Kai is, Kai is one of those players that looks up when he's in and around the box and kind of finds players in the box. So whereas there's other players that just kind of puts it into the mixer, I think Kai can clock up a lot of assists. Um in a well-functioning team by doing that, by being in places and then finding players. We've seen him do it a few times for Chelsea, but it hasn't happened enough, but I don't think our attack's been well-functioning. Um, so as much as everybody, do you know what I think? I think I think with, with Chelsea fans, there's this kind of, um, this idea that you're being biased or you're being um, rose-tinted if you see positives in players that, do you know what I'm saying? That the fan base doesn't rate. So, like, I've never been Kepa's biggest fan, but when I talk about Kepa, because not everything's scathing, people people go crazy because I, maybe I compliment him. And maybe, I don't know, obviously I come, we come from different perspectives, but um, it's the same. I feel like it's been the same in general because I talk about squad players that everybody just kind of sees as people to step on and to be kind of completely scathing about. And when I, whenever you mention something positive about them, then, do you know what I'm saying? I'm the deluded one. But it, as soon as they leave and then they start seeing them doing things positive away from Chelsea, they're like, oh, either they'll just say, oh, they found their level if they're not playing at a good level. Or they'll say, at Chelsea, he was shit. He had nothing to offer. Um, and I, I don't think it's true. I don't, like, if Havertz was to go to another club, and to be fair, if he was going to go to Spain, I know that the first thing they'll be like, oh, it's because the game suits him more there, et cetera, et cetera. But even if he was to, like, go to Manchester City, I believe you'd, you'd see, I think with Manchester City, it is a more stable attack. I don't know. It really depends on how many players. I think they've got a lot of players. But I, I believe what you could see there is a, a Kai getting those cutbacks. You know, like when Sterling's at City and he's always doing those cutbacks and they're always scoring those goals. You know what I'm saying? I believe you see a Kai getting loads of um, cutbacks, linking up with players, et cetera, et cetera. 
yes, it won't all be pretty. It won't all be pretty. And um, just a general thing as well with, with all players, when people say, oh, they need to be consistent now, they're 23. They need to be consistent now, they're 24. Players don't get consistent. And I agree, Kai does have downward um, parts of um, times in the season where his form's not together. I think all players have that. Um, and so I'd like to see, um, I, would, I would be happy to see Kai go as long as he finds a good home. I think it actually, even if we could do a swap um, and he goes to Atletico and Felix comes to Chelsea. Um, Boy, that, that, maybe, that, that'd be amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that would be good because um, he's a hard worker. He's kind of like, um, I think he likes those Murata types, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's that's what I see what Kai offers. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, I mean, yeah. so um, on to... Something happened in the week with Man City. Um, and I think it's relevant to Chelsea because Man City, um, we don't know what their punishments are. These type of things, they usually tease you because they make it out like they're going to get suspended. They're going to get, you know, relegated. But all that happens is they get like £20 fine or whatever. But obviously, um, this has been bubbling for a while. But it seems like now they're finally trying to throw the book at Man City. Um, and they said there's over 100 kind of counts of false accounting or whatever some sort of fraud um and now people are saying yeah you're next Chelsea because we've been spending money but for everything I've seen it looks like Chelsea know what they're doing whether or not they may be looking at Man City and saying we've got precedent you allowed Man City to do it thinking they'll be able to get away with that but now Man City are in the maybe even the Premier League was like rah this you know what I think is that I'm sorry go on you know I think it's sorry to interrupt you I I don't think is um, a thing of like the Premier League are doing it because it's right. I think what it is right is because there's this white paper that's coming in, you know, the independent regulator coming to the Premier Leagues. And I don't know about you, Dan, but you know what places of work, you know, when, when somebody's, you know, they've, they've done something a bit dodgy, you know, mm. they, they tried to keep it silent, but the moment, you know, an, an external regulator like starts to sniff around, immediately the company will throw them underneath the, the bus and they'll make an example out of them. And I think that's what they do in Man City. I think they, they've, they've clocked on that. You know what? This independent regulator is probably going to find out what City have done you know, in terms of inflating their revenue. And I think that's what's, that's why the Premier League are actually trying right. to like, get it done. Yeah. Just to like save their face, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So I didn't know about this. I, I thought maybe they were looking at Chelsea thinking, rah, these guys are really spending. Like we probably need, <laughs> we probably need to make sure. Maybe we probably need to look into Chelsea. But before we can do that, we probably need to go back and make sure we do our our, our city. Our due diligence. Yeah, and right. I, I think it's also because um city they they, they weren't cooperating. So throughout yeah. the years of their, of, of their um investigation, it's just led to this, and that's why there are so many charges because when, oh. when you don't cooperate, it, it, it just like continues to slack on, just like stack on on and on on each other. And I know just that like it, it's so funny because you, you see rival fans like oh you know. Chelsea this, Chelsea that, but at the end of the day, the, the, the reason why City were able to do what, what they were able to do was mainly down to their owners, you know, the, how shady they were in terms of like how they reported their revenue. And I think it was pretty obvious in the fact that w- when they're reporting the revenues of being larger than Barcelona, Real Madrid and Bayern and Manchester United, it's like, come on guys, it's like, it's like you're, you're taking the picture, you're, you're, you're never trying to not, not make it obvious, you know, like you're, you're literally rubbing it in our faces and for that to have been going on for, for years and years and years, it was only well time for, for it to like actually come out. And I, I don't know, I don't know if maybe it's me being um, naive, 
But I've got a lot more trust in the fact that I don't and expect Bowley, you know, who's already got sporting experience mm-hmm. and the seat ownership didn't have, you know, with, with the LA Lakers, the Dodgers, and they haven't had this kind of a situation financially, you know. So yeah, you got- I'd expect based on that, you know, yeah. there's there's anecdotes there. I'd expect based on that they have their finance order, and, and I don't think there's even been enough time to inflate our revenue, you know, like it's only just come out today that they're trying to get, you know, new big, not to say like, this week that they're trying to get out, um, new big sponsors. So I think when people make this kind of jokes, I think they're, 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 they're a bit, obviously it's going to be banter because you know how, how rival fans are, but I'm, I'm not really worried about it as per se anyway. But that's just me. Confidence in Bowley, you got confidence. So I think the reason why a fan might have confidence in Bowley is because it does look like, do you know what? If you commit, if you do something without kind of knowing the rules, that would worry me. But it looks like already he's familiarised himself with the landscape. The fact that you need to be able to know the rules to be able to do loopholes around the rules. And I think the fact that it feels like he's doing these loopholes gives me confidence that he's got these constraints, which is the law. And he's seeing, okay, where can I find ways around it? Rather than just let me forget the rules, mm. you know what I'm saying? What, what, what are you saying? That like he, he came in and he said to the Premier League, "I'm familiar with your game." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So like he, he's done his homework. <laughs> he's done his homework, um, and so the, until we, we look at Man City, it's taken ages to even figure out what they're doing. So. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend that I know whether he's uh, we're safe or not. I think it can be naive to just think everything's going to be um, good with Chelsea because we have spent a lot of money. But again, we've got a lot. Of, we've got a lot of players, so we've still got a lot of money to make by selling them. Um, but the Man City thing's interesting. My my question to you is: What do you want to see happen? Happen as a Chelsea fan? What would you want to see happen to Man City? Um, I've got. I've got two sides. This right. What one, one side is like the selfish me, and then the other side is like the the realistic me. You know, like the selfish me is like, you know what? I w- I just want these guys relegated. You know, mm-hmm. I want these guys to have a a ten year transfer ban. You know, a ten year registration ban so they can't register any new players. Mm-hmm. You know, limits on how much they can spend on 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 transfers, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the other side is like, when you think about how much money Man City probably bring in. To one, the country, you know, via their spending, and mm-hmm. to the Premier League, what is the likelihood of that happening? But if it was up to me, I'd, I'd, I'd expect them to be like banished from the Premier League, because when you think about what 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 they've done, you know, by inflating their revenue, that that's basically what's allowed them to spend the money. You know, like on on paper, obviously they've got very very rich owners, but ju- just by having just by virtue of having rich owners, that's that's not what allows you to. You know, spend money via via FFP. You know, is 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 mainly about your revenue and the percentages of, of your revenue that you're allowed to spend. So by inflating I'm... that, that's what's allowed them to spend so much. I think if you, I think they should have limits put on how much they're allowed to spend going, uh, going on for a couple of years. I heard, I heard they def- deflated their revenue. So I heard it was they would pay a certain amount and have those official, but then behind. Uh, I, I think what you're, what you're thinking of is um. They deflated like stuff like and um, player wages and like and um, manager wages. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah that, that, that's 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 one thing. But I'm talking about um, I'm talking about you know the sponsorships where like where like the um, know, people know, tour, but... they, they'll like research it and they'll find that it's like registered to like your next door neighbor and, and there's like nobody living there. Whatever. I know, I know for that I'm not familiar with the law like Bowley is. You know what I'm saying? But for me, 
I don't I don't see that as an issue. Do you know what I'm saying? As long like I feel like with financial fair play, the idea was to stop clubs going out of business. If, for instance, if I know someone that you know what I'm saying is a big business that wants to pour loads of money into Touchline Fracker because he's a fan and that Touchline Fracker benefits from it, I don't see the issue. Do you know what I'm saying? And so if I, I them, get you, but it's, it's, it's about the rules, you know, and the fairness of the game. And, and by breaking I, those I, rules... I don't, look, look, breaking the rules is one thing. So if they're broken the rules, they have to be punished. But in terms of the fairness of the game, football isn't fair. And I think that's my thing. I've, I've, when it comes down to it, there's some clubs that are in London that have access to loads of talent because they're in London. There's some clubs that are in bumfuck nowhere. They don't have access to any talent. There's some clubs that because of whatever in history... All of a sudden, they're a big club, and then other clubs aren't that. Do you know what I'm saying? That football is about unfairness. It's not fair that you know Rooney came through in Liverpool. It's not fair that you know, um, like some like we're in the Premier League and you know, uh, fine order in the Dutch league. It's not fair that it's not about fairness. What it is is about loads of there's set rules, which is why I think if Man City broken the rules. Then they have to be, you know, punished. But there's set I, I, rules. I get you done, but we, we, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, go, go on. Go on. There's set rules, and within those rules, you take a lot of these people that are all different. They've got all different strengths. So whether it's Brighton, your strength is scouting. You don't have that much money compared, but you're great scouts. You know what I'm saying? And we get to see them against, like at Chelsea, with all this money, and then Brighton with their scouting, and then Naus gets to, if they beat. Do you know what I'm saying? Chelsea, who are just competing with money. That's what sport is about. It's people with different backgrounds, people with different uh, strengths. Seeing them compete and see who comes out on top. It's not about creating, making, equalising everything and making everybody, oh, everybody's got the same amount of money to spend. That's not what it's about. It's about unfairness and see within the rules and seeing who comes out on top. I get you, Dan, but what they've done is broken the rules. That's why I'm... But I just, I literally just said, I don't, if they've broken the rules, they should be punished. So I, I'm, that's fine. But what I'm saying is when people talk about how um, it should be fair, et cetera, et cetera, like. Oh, no, really, no, no, I, I agree. I, I do agree. I, I don't think I've disagreed. With, with the let me I'm saying that I think if there is a rule that stops, like with Newcastle coming, I think Newcastle's good for the game. And I don't think money, like investment should be limited. I think that. The investment they put should there should be rules around it so that if they leave Newcastle are in a good place. But I don't believe in limit in investment. I think if anything, when we look at the past twenty years, of the Premier League, one of the re- one of the best things for the Premier League is foreign investment. Now I don't know. There is a question about the ethics of these people and uh, um, beyond football and what they're doing behind it. And obviously, again, if they're breaking the law, then I think that they should be punished for that. But in terms of Manchester City, I feel like they've been nothing but a net positive for the game. I think Newcastle have been nothing but a net positive. I'm not a biased Chelsea fan. I believe, even if I was an Arsenal fan, I still look at Chelsea saying they've been a great thing for the game. Now, obviously, I ne- you never know. But I, I look at PSG, I think they've been great for European football. And I look at all of these clubs trying to desperately get themselves together to create the uh, Super League to rescue the continental football. That's because there's a lack of investment. And I feel like sometimes people need to kind of take stock and look at like the Scottish League. And that's a place that's devoid of investment. And now you see the quality of football when you've got McBride playing against 
some other random Scottish dude. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we have a league that attracts the best talent in the world because of the people that are, like, some of the global most richest players have come to the Premier League. And by way of that, it means that we're able to attract the best players. And so I think people need to be a bit more thankful for um, their their impact on our game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I, I guess that's kind of like where, where, where my thoughts come in, in, in the fact that they've really brought in so much money. You know, they, they've brought in a lot of entertainment on the pitch as well. But if they have broken the rules, you know, they're going to have to hold that. Yeah, if you break rules, then you got to... I mean, Chelsea, we've broken rules and we've been punished for it. Like, we break rules, yeah. even if the rules are wrong. But to be fair, fuck rules, you know. <laughs> if, even if the rules are wrong. You know what it is? Because rule, no, because rules, like, they're just someone's opinion. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? They're just a, a shitty... Sometimes they're just a shitty opinion because we've seen rules change. And so not all rules are good rules. That's all I'm saying. But obviously, you kind of... As a corporation, when you set rules and people um, break them then they've got to be punished. So, yeah, hopefully uh, Man City are punished for breaking rules if they are obviously found guilty. Um, uh, uh, so we have brought in a psychologist, some South African guy, I think he's South African, some All Blacks, rugby, motivational speaker. And I said when they, he, they, when they announced it that it's an indictment on Potter and in the group chat there was some pushback. And I explain why I think it's an indictment and Bab, you can give your opinion. And um, so it was Buzzy. Buzzy, who's part of the pod, he was saying that um, it's an assumption for me um, that they're only bringing him in because I think we've won two in 12, which is terrible. Um, um, And he's saying that we can't assume that he's been brought in because of our form. Maybe they was going to bring him in anyway. And my response to it was, you're right. But to be fair, I my I didn't make that statement that he was definitely brought in because I'm a curious, but I, I just know that I don't know. I, I don't know if he was definitely brought in because of our form. But if I'm if I'm working somewhere, let's say I'm working as a developer and they brought me in and they said, Dan, you are going to be the guy to deliver this app. You're going to be the guy, et cetera. Talked it up, showed me around the whole company. This is the guy who's going to build an iOS app or whatever. Um, and then, you know, a couple months down the line, progress isn't really there. They kind of hype me up. The progress isn't really there. Then they they decide to bring someone in, um, and they, they tell me, Dan, look, we was going to bring him in anyway. But I like the fact that what they hype me up to do, I haven't done, and they're bringing someone else in, regardless of whether they might going to bring them in anyway, everyone in the office is going to look around thinking, yeah, he's not up to it. And therefore they need to bring this guy in. And so the optics, even just the optics don't look well, but also just the fact that he, they hyped me up as someone that is going to do that. He's going to build, he's going to build it up. He's going to be ready in three months or whatever. And it hasn't happened. Now they're bringing in someone that they're saying again, they're going to do exactly kind of what they said that I was supposed to do. And I went back and I read what um, both of the guys, Big Dad and Bowley, said. And if you, when when they hired Potter, they said this guy can develop a team whilst winning. The amount of times both of them mentioned winning, and they didn't say in the future. They was talking about winning, winning, winning straight away. So 
I don't think they anticipated how bad it's been form-wise. And they was like, he can develop players whilst winning. And then they also talked about, up about how his kind of, was it psychological or whatever background um, was important for the camp. Now we, we've heard already that um, some of the senior players talked to um, Potter about the image that, maybe he's putting out there of Chelsea because it seemed like a lot of excuses, even though, yeah, we know we've got injuries and we know, et cetera, et cetera. I think what the, I can't remember what the article said, but it's something along the lines of we can't keep on doing that because it might breed an excuse culture. Um, And now this guy's come in and he's a short term. It's not even a long term. So again, he's a short term person which means that he might just be here. And obviously we know, you know, uh, players change, managers change, etc. But right now he's going to be brought in for the short term to try to change our culture. And obviously videos went around and he's got this whole no dickheads philosophy. And I like what he's saying in terms of putting a team before the individual, because I think that's what a good team is a lot of the time. Obviously, sometimes you have a couple of people that are out for themselves and it helps because they're supposed to be the executors. Um, but if you're not fighting for the team, if you're not putting a team first, you better be an executor. And I feel like sometimes you've got people that aren't uh, putting a team first and they're, they're not executed. They're not carrying. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so what do you think about the whole situation, Babs? Um, personally, I don't. I didn't read into it as much as like you guys did in terms of like um, it being an indictment on Potter. Just because, just because I look at it as like it's just an ex, it's just an external part of the club. You know, it's just an additional arm to the coaching staff. Like for instance, you look at um, let's say you look at Alex Ferguson. I know that's like a really really out there out there out there example, but mm-hmm. you know people talk about just how great of a manager he was. You know, in terms of like his um, how he was able to like. Um, just like relate to players. And I was listening to like um, a Rio Ferdinand interview mm-hmm. and he spoke about the fact that um, by, by a time, you know, he'd rarely ever be the person, you know, on, on the on the coaching pitch, on the training mm-hmm. pitch. He'd rarely ever be the person talking before the, the games, but mm-hmm. it would mainly be like the, the coaches and you know, the other coaches stuff, whether it be like um, Carlos Quiros, you know, other defensive coaches. You know, he, exactly. So it, it wasn't just him, you know, being a part of, of, of that role, you know, I even read a bit about um, Arsene Wenger, you know, um, in the build-up to like the Invincibles, and and he actually even when he first came into into the Arsenal in Arsenal job, you know, he 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 too had you know another sports psychologist, not even just that, but um, Eric Ten Hag coming into United, I think one of the first things he did was bringing a psychologist, you know, to, to really like evaluate a lot of the players, and I've read mm-hmm. that apparently, you know, it's, it's been a quite a big benefit to like even guys like like Rashford, so even though this may be like a skill that the managers do have, I just think that personally, it's always good to have a secondary opinion, you know, and I don't really think it's as big as an, an indictment on him as, as, as you say. And I get your example. Wait, let, 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 me, let, me, let me finish quick. I get your example, the fact that if somebody was to be hired for your job, but that's that's different, you know. Potter has been hired to, to be a coach, you know. He's not been hired to be a psychologist. Yes, it is one of the things that was praised of him. And yes, it is one of his selling points. However, I don't think it's a bad thing to also have a specialist in that field because reading it's up about Potter... It's not bad. I've never said it's bad. I I'm don't not saying you said it's bad. I'm just saying I don't think it's an indictment. Do you, in, do you know the, the reason why? That, everything that you've mentioned, but everything you've mentioned, I don't, I don't, it's not what I'm criti- critiquing. 
if Potter was to bring someone in at the beginning of his time and saying, listen, we're bringing this person in for this, that would have been fine. Uh, Ferguson, again, winning manager, bringing people in to coach. I don't think this, this is not what I'm critiquing at all. Uh, what I'm saying is, and this is like, I where you're comparing this to those situations, what it more reminds me of is when Abraham Grant came in and Michael Emanuelo came in and it wasn't um, driven by Mourinho. It wasn't driven by Mourinho and Mourinho wasn't kind of happy about it. Now, uh, whether Potter's gone out and said, can you kind of go get me this? Maybe he has, I don't know. But this is not Potter coming into Chelsea and saying, we need someone to come in, an external person. Like, from what I'm seeing, it's not where it is. Um, this is... But then again, we don't know. We, we don't know. Let, like, let me finish. This is Potter, who they talked up being a winning manager um, and even winning whilst developing. And then we've had two wins in 12. It's been really, really bad. Um, and so what I'm saying is an indictment is that they talked him up to be something and then now they're bringing in someone else to kind of help in the key areas where they talked him up. So, it, again, my kind of the reason why I think it's an indictment, it's not because I don't think it's bad. I've never said it's bad. I, I think it's good because I think it's needed. <laughs> I love it. I think it's good. Okay, I think okay it's fair good. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so actually, actually, okay. No, yeah. okay, okay fair, 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 so, let me finish. I think it's good because I think it's needed. But I have never been confident that. Um, Potter could deliver that and I'm happy because this guy's come in and don't forget they were confident because they said at the beginning they said that he's going to be winning whilst he's developing and I just thought that I'm happy that we've got Todd Bowley I said that at the beginning I don't know where I said it on Twitter I think I definitely said it in the group chat and so this is not um, a retrospective opinion I said I'm happy we've got Todd Bowley because from what I've seen of Potter he doesn't seem to be aggressive enough. Whereas from what everything I've seen of Todd Bowley and his consortium, they're aggressive. At the top level, there's a level of aggressiveness um, that you kind of have to have to compete. Um, and I don't necessarily think that has to be the manager. Again, through Todd Bowley, and that's kind of what I predicted. Um, I didn't realise it manifested in the transfer market, but I've seen that. But there's a level of aggressiveness. Do you know, like a lot of people say that the best managers are bad losers and stuff like that and what from what I saw with Potter I just feel like he's a bit more kind of patient which kind of works it might work out at Brighton do you know what I'm saying but definitely at Chelsea and I know people look at it like oh it's that was the Roman era etc etc but you see how much money is being spent you see it you see it and it'll be interesting I mean it'll be interesting I, I think from the way that I'm seeing it and not even just the actions that are happening, but even the facial expressions, what I'm seeing from the guys um, when they're watching Chelsea, I actually think with Potter, because of the investment in the team, whereas if they wasn't doing this investment, I think that there's almost some, like, again, he's fresh. It's not his fault. It was the old regime's fault. It was their terrible players and all their bad mistakes, etc. It's easy to get rid of players in, in that regard. But the interesting thing with these guys, if they've brought in Potter, and I think what they'll do is they don't... I think when we're, people look at Roman Abramovich and they look at him as someone that's bad, etc., etc., I've always said that Roman Abramovich, 
him sucking is almost kind of like more humble than people give him credit for because you see it with football fans and their opinions. Once they say, oh, I like this player, sometimes they just ride with them even when it's clear that they're no longer good anymore. And I think with Roman Abramovich, he had he had the humility to be like, look, you know what? I thought this manager was good. We've seen him for a bit. I don't think he's the right guy to lead our team. And where, where you have a squad of players, I think you can exercise patience and you can do all that type of stuff. But where it's a manager and it's just one person, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's not a team game. You're the man that's supposed to be leading the squad. And I feel like Roman Abramovich showed a lot of humility when he sacked um, people that he put his name behind. And I think so far from what I'm seeing with Todd Bowley and them, I think they might have a bit more ego to them and they will try to surround, and I don't necessarily think this is a good thing or a bad thing, but they will try to surround Potter with everything that um, they can give him so that he can succeed. But I think very quickly, because they've moved very quickly, the the, the finger will have to point, be pointed at Potter because all of the old excuses get have been getting removed one by one, not even one by one, like seven by seven. And so very soon it will just be like, Yo, Potter, what's going on? That's my my thoughts on it. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, because yeah. it is is a big assumption. But I what's can see big... where you. No, no, no. As like what you said in general, but I, I can see where. I don't think it's a big assumption. I'm not assuming anything. I'm not. See, I'm not assuming anything. None of what I'm saying is. I believe um, that this definitely happened. I'm just saying that. From what I'm noticing, this is what I think is going to happen. So I, I'm not, I'm not a, like, yeah. So not, not, not what I'm saying in terms of what I think is definitely true. But I think when you look at it, if all of this money is being spent and we're not, it's two wins in 12. Obviously, like if the players come through and everything goes well, um, then that's cool. And we can credit that to Potter because I don't like that type of thing when, when we're winning, oh, it's the players. And when we're losing, it's par. So if the players come through and we've got enough good players that, that I feel like he has to make it work, but they're not here to be also runs, 100%. So it'll be interesting because he has been given a five-year contract. For me, it'll be very interesting to see if he lasts year three. Um, I think this... So he's came in at, in the middle of this year. I don't think they'll get rid of him before the season but it really depends on how bad it gets but um there's there's already tentative links kind of flying around and i won't be shocked if we get a new manager next season cool so do you know what yeah we did a, a big thing around mount last time around so i don't necessarily want to do another mount kind of thing um Again, his contract's coming out. Kovacic's contract's coming out. Uh, Babs, you don't mind if he, Ko- Kovacic leaves? No. No? No. Um, and Mount, do you mind if Mount leaves? No. Mm, so, uh, what players from that pre-existed uh, Bowley's would you feel like we have to keep? <laughs> why, why are you laughing? <laughs> no, the, the first one that came into my mind was, was Jay's chopping block. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so Reese James, you'll you'll be happy to keep Reese James, right? Of course, of course. Okay. Of course. So I think I think, think Reese right. James. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, of, of the players. Thiago Silva. I think he's Thiago just, Silva. you know, I think his, his value Thiago on and off is long term anyway. So Thiago Silva doesn't really count. Oh, I think he's long term. I think he's long term. No, not really, because is he going to be playing for the next seven years? No. You he's say not, that, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about on the pitch. As, as I just said, off the pitch, on the pitch, and no, off the I'm pitch. Just, I'm just talking about on the pitch because that's what we're talking about. Um, okay. So, what players? Yeah, so Reese James, Thiago Silva, um, Badia Shile, of course. No, before. I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about people that. Oh, okay. So, wait, so that, that means I can't even feel like Fafana then because. He, you can't he say Fafana, you can't say Sterling. Any, I'm talking about the players that were before Bowley. That's okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. Okay, my bad. T- take two, take two, take two. Okay, okay. Thiago Silva. Want me to name some uh, players? No, no, no. I've, I've just, I've just got, I've just got a list up of all the players now. So, okay, so let's say Thiago Silva, Chilwell. Thiago Silva doesn't count. I'm talking about long term future. So we have got okay. Chilwell, Chilwell Reese James, Reese James. Mm-hmm. No, before um, Bowley. Before. Oh, you see, this, this, there's so few players that I, I, I can't, I can't find any. So that's so, fine. That's fine. Okay, so let me, so Reece James, Chilwell, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay. All right. It's just again, that's fine. Um, so we have been linked with buying a club, Bordeaux, um. And I think this kind of ties in with probably the last, I don't know how long we've been going with before, but we're just going to make a short one anyway. But um, I think we've got way too many players. I think we've got way too many. I think, to be fair, I think a lot of people agree with that. I, I, I saw Sir Martin Broughton, I think his name was. I think he bid the same amount for the club. Um, he was talking about today how, oh, we would have kept too cool and we wouldn't have spent that much money. If you want to impress Chelsea fans, don't say you're not going to spend money because these guys are spoiled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bro, 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 energy, man. That's all they want. Um, but I hear him because I just I feel like we've met, we've moved very, very fast. And so I can't judge it because obviously I'm someone that feels like the dust needs to settle. Um, and obviously it is exciting to get new players. But I think sometimes, do you know what I'm saying? Like being excited at the checkout isn't the same as, do you know what I'm saying? Being excited at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? Because you could you know, buy this jacket thinking it looks sick, then get home, put it on, and it's trash. And we've seen that all the time. And I think a lot of times Chelsea Chelsea fans just love the checkout. Do you know what I'm saying? You love the motherfucking checkout. It's not always about a checkout. And so, um, yeah, we've got so many different players. And uh, previously, with young players coming through, they look up and they're seeing all of these players and they think, how am I even going to get a chance? But I think they've looked to the multi-club model and it seems like Bordeaux might be a place where we can buy players. They've got a strong history. Um, they wear blue, even though it's a darker version of blue. Obviously, they're mad close as well. So the French League is the League of Talents and a lot of them are strong as well. And a lot of people are now saying that's the best league in terms of uh, success rate, in terms of buying from there and them doing well. But obviously, Lacazette, I, I don't know how many goals Lacazette's scoring. But one minute it's like, oh, that league is trash. Lacazette scoring all those goals. But then Messi goes there. He's not scoring that many goals. And then obviously other players are coming from there and they're fitting straight in to, to our league. But 
with the Bordeaux thing, how would you like to see it work, Babs, if we were to get Bordeaux? Like, which type of players would you send there, thinking about the players we've got right now? Actually, even before that, I just want to talk about the, the league on. Yeah. As you know, I, I watch quite a bit of it, and yeah. I, I find the Lacazette thing so funny from Arsenal fans, you know, mm. in, in particular. Just just because, right, if you actually look at what Lacazette's doing mm. at Lyon, it's exactly what he was doing at Arsenal in terms of, like, goals and goal rate. Like, it was exactly the same. And it's actually less than what he was doing at Lyon beforehand. And I think a, a big a big factor of that is the fact that he's also been able to take penalties for one, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's obviously, like, a, a, a very big help. And mm-hmm. two... I just think because he's just just because he's like been the, the sole like um number nine at, at um at Leon and he's not really had to like share the goal burden, I think that's like benefited him quite quite a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, even though like sometimes it's not always good to rely on you know what one singular striker, but I just think when you look at what he's done at Leon, is exactly what he's done at Arsenal. You know that is is not it's not anything new. You know it's not like he's like doing like skill moves. It's not like he's like blitzing past players. It's the exact same. Way he was playing at Arsenal, he's probably if like if if you check his goal rate, it's probably the exact same rate as what he was scoring at Arsenal. Mm, so, so I can I, get his goal rate. Yeah. So for, for me personally, I, I just think it's laughable. It's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit it's lower. lower. Yeah, just a little there bit. You, just, well, just there, a there you go. There it's you go. So 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 all, 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 all the things that people are saying, I, I just think it's I just think it's null and void. But in terms of the um, Bordeaux thing, I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. Um, I think. It's definitely good to have a place where naturally the teams have to have investment in your players. You know, if you are to loan them, um, similar to you, I do agree that loan is loans aren't always the best way to develop players. But what I think they are very good for is is a is a good way of developing financial like clout in a way. So, like for instance, you look at like a Gallagher, you know, after the, the Crystal Palace loan, he's become mm-hmm. a forty million pound player. You look at a Broha after the Southampton loan, he's become a thirty million pound player. You look at Gilmore, we sold him for 10 million. You look at um, Tomori, we sold him for 30 million. You look at Tammy, we sold him for 40 million. So mm-hmm. even though I'm, even though it's not the best way of developing players, it's sure as, it is, it's sure as hell is a sustainable way of making money, you know? And if the players do well, you make a profit. If the players don't do well, it's, it's like a net neutral. And, and not just that, you know, not every player is going to want to, you know, make it at Chelsea. You know, a lot of players are just going to want to, you know, just go through the academy, you know, get senior starts in a stable environment, prove what they can do with a platform, and they can go away and have a successful career. You know, that's not a bad thing. For me personally, at the end of the day, the role of an academy in, in, in a player's um, development, I've had, I've had this argument with so many non-Chelsea fans, isn't to solely develop players for Chelsea. It's just to develop professional footballers. You know, and if they do want to stay at Chelsea, you know, and if Chelsea want to give them a platform, then that's just an added bonus, and that's what we love to see. So, for me personally, I think the, I think the Bordeaux thing is amazing. You know, you can have a, a club where your players are going to play in a, in a similar system to you potentially. You know, under the under a manager with, the, with a similar philosophy. You know, you can actually like have an imprint on, on, on how they play. You know, where they play, and there's also a lot more control over over how their loans actually go because we've seen many a time when Chelsea have loaned the player out. But, and the loan has just gone to absolute crap. But what what I say is, um, multi club model it can't be like a loan thing. Because yeah, yeah I, I get you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just using loans like yeah. loosely for you. Know what I mean, well, yeah. But if you just let me, <laughs> let me go. I'm just saying with the multi club because there's restriction on loans, so we can't just loan a gang of players to that one club. So it would actually be selling 
bought these players or buying players specifically for Bordeaux. But because obviously, kind of like with Leipzig and Red Bull Salzburg, you know what I'm saying? It's not like there's loans. Salzburg own those players, but because it's a close relationship, it's going to be difficult for other clubs to get the players from Bordeaux because Chelsea will have like almost first refusal because do you know what I'm saying? So, so, so the good thing about it is like with the loans, like, uh, like you said, I don't think that they're healthy, but I think if we are able to sell these players um, to, or buy the, if we are able to get these players to Bordeaux, um, and then they know that they're playing for Bordeaux and it's, there's nothing promised for them at Chelsea. I think it's kind of like a healthy thing. Um, I think it's healthy for Chelsea fans as well because I think a lot of times Chelsea fans get attached um, to players. You said with academies, they're not necessarily built to supply the first team. I, I, I think that's the main reason, but obviously um, not everyone can make it. And so the only thing what you were saying, which I think is bad, and I thought... I, I know football works like this, but I think it's to the detriment of football. And I feel like when you think about players like commodities and potentially money earners, I think the it's the wrong thing to optimise for. Um, 100%, you're going to... Like, it's football anyway. So you've got talented players, you're going to make money. Do you know what I'm saying? But I feel like it's always good to remember that these are players, they're humans first, um, and you shouldn't really be thinking, okay, cool, if we do this, then we can make money, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like if, as an academy, you'll just be better focused on how do we make this player the best player possible? Do you know what I'm saying? And I think, again, as, like, as soon as the player is good, you'll make money. And I feel like, but I think when you start thinking about money first, then a lot of destructive things come into it. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm, because... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying... The, the sole purpose would be just to like sell them. No, no, I'm saying, saying, saying optimising because I think the reason why I say that is like, for instance, with the uh, the loan model where we start having, where we start, we start bringing in all of these random players because they're thinking about money. And what I'm saying is I, I feel like once you start thinking about money first, then a lot of bad habits, and I'm even talking about for Chelsea because then there's a lot of players Chelsea signed when people are like, why are they signing him? And they're not even that good. But they're thinking, okay, we can flip him because it's just a money type thing. Whereas I feel like if you that what you optimize for is just like, okay, cool, let's just try to make the best players possible, then the money will come. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like with the the Bordeaux thing, it's interesting because it's so close in terms of like France and, and England and obviously London and stuff like that. Um and I do think that a lot of our younger players will be, look, especially look at all this spending. And obviously we just bought Omari Hutchinson, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm still surprised that so many young players are coming into Chelsea because you, you when you see the turnover, even under this new regime, and a lot of these players are young that they're buying, um, it's difficult to kind of imagine where these younger guys fit in. And I think there are still a lot of talents coming through. So it's very... It's very it's very bleak at the moment, I'd say. But I think that getting a Bordeaux and these guys being actually sold there um, and then, again, being put in the shop window so they've got their own destiny. Because like what you said with Lacazette, at least he's playing regularly, so he's got his own destiny in his hands. And I think it's, it's better when these players have their destinies in their hands. Um, and at Chelsea, there's just too many players for that to, to happen a lot of the time. Definitely agreed. Um, all right, we were talking about the rotation thing, which kind of came into we've got too many players. Um, I don't know if you want to cook on it, 
Babs, and I don't know if you st- you're still in the same place, but um, what do you expect to see from Potter now? Everyone's well, the, the, more people are back, so more people are fit, and um, so what do you expect Potter to do? Because we've got more players, um, and you've suggested that he's tried to keep the team a bit more stable. Um, how does he go from here? Because obviously, like when we had less players available, it's easy to keep a stable team. How do you think that he will manage it, and how do you think he should manage it now we've got more? Uh, now he's got more options. Mm. So how I think he will manage it based on on, on um, what we've seen so far, I think he's going to gradually try and um, bring in those players back in to the to the fold. So like like the Reese James, like obviously he couldn't play the full ninety minutes, so he was at seventy five percent. So he had to get stopped off for Aspie. So you may see him and Aspie like trade off a bit or like a Chalaba. And the yeah. same for like a Mudrick, for instance. He hasn't played a full 90 minutes for like um two months, you know, due to the Ukraine league um coming back. So I think you may see a bit of rotation there with him and um, Sterling. And then with um, Madueke, obviously as, as good as, he, as his performance was, it's got to be remembered that his injury record has been quite like tetchy. So if he, I wouldn't be surprised again if he if he was to like, rotate with, with like a ZH event. By the time, for instance, him and um, Mudrick do have a sustained period of like fitness, I think you, you, you'd expect to see them quite a bit. But I think due to the fact that Madueke has not been um, registered in the UC, I think he's going to have a. I think he's going to eventually get a run of games within the league because obviously you're going to you may have to potentially rely on ZH within the Champions League for like rotation purposes. But I think in terms of like um, the midfield, I think Enzo is going to be a, a long term like stat standing. I think he's definitely going to be a starter. I think um, Kovacic probably will be partnered with him until Kante's back. I think you're going to see the same back too with um, Badia Shile and Thiago Silva. And I think, you, I think you'll probably still see rotation at left-back between like Hall, um, Kukurela and um, Chilwell, depending on how like, fitness goes. Um, personally, if it was up to me, I'd probably do something similar, but I'd probably like, try to stick with like, a bit more consistency within like, the front three. So whether it be um, just sticking with um, Sterling until Mudrick's like 100% fit and like then reintegr- reintegrating into, into the squad. And I think that's how I do it personally. And then so, also so, like, with like, go on. Go on, go on. No, you go on. No, you go, 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 go. So, so, so do you see it as it'll be Sterling or Mudrick? It'll be a ZH or Madueke? Like, that's how you see it in your head. Because the, the way that I see it, Sterling could be playing right wing. I, I can eat... Uh, People don't see it. Felix playing. People just see him. Oh, Felix is going to be ten. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can, I can definitely see um Sterling playing right wing, but I'm just talking like loosely, just just in general. Okay, so I think without the kind of whole kind of mini little battles, I just generally, um, do you expect to see a stable Chelsea team now we've got more options or a less stable Chelsea team? Mm, that's a good question. That is a good question. I guess it depends on how you define stable. As in, how many changes? So we've made a lot of changes so far. And obviously, injuries, um, you've said that injuries have kind of played into it. But now we've got more options. Do you expect us to see less changes or more changes? Um, Probably more changes. Both in terms of that because of injuries and the fact that Champions League is back as well. So there's going to be two games a week. And with a lot of players coming back for injuries, you don't want to overload them and potentially risk them being injured again. If that makes sense, so like one of the most like common re- pieces of rotation we saw on the Potter earlier, early in his, in his um, tenure was the Kovacic um, change with like between like him, Gallagher, you know, Mount, etc. And that was just the fact that Kovacic was coming back for injury. So 
he couldn't really just be like thrown back in. So I, I will expect to see a bit of rotation just because you can't exactly consistently play a player straight off the bat from injury. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And don't forget, we've had Champions League um, before, obviously, like in the other half, the the league type of thing. But I think the where where I'm at with it is Potter, in my opinion, has to he has to use the squad, and the squad's massive, and it is not enviable that he has to deal with it. But I think it makes sense that we've got so many players, whether it's Datro who's stuck around, Chukwemeka who's stuck around. And we've seen it with Gallagher and obviously Ziyech is still around. We've got so many players and I think it is going to be a difficult thing to keep a consistent. I think it's just difficult because, like again, when we had injuries, it was it's almost like a help to him. But obviously we had Ziyech come in who they thought was going out, but he stayed around. And because they thought he was going out, we've got more kind of players. We've got some players registered for Champions League, some players not. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a disrupted um team now the difficulty with disrupted teams is that i think that it doesn't help but build momentum so it's an interesting thing to kind of watch like for instance with let's say Fafana comes in and everybody's like tired of habits etc so Fafana starts as a striker hopefully Fafana bangs um and to be fair like he looks like he's got a good um low sense of gravity and he looks like he could you know net some goals but hopefully, but then obviously in, in the case where he doesn't, may, maybe he goes two or three games without a goal, um, then it might be, what do we do next? False nine, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many options. And because there's so many options, there's so many different things that he can try. Um, and so, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what he does. I think it's a difficult. I think it's difficult for Potter. It's always been difficult. Him coming in so early into the season after another man's kind of set up the team, um, and then after that, January, all of this change. Andre Santos is apparently coming back as well to be part of it. Akante's still around, he's already started training. Um, there are so many players, it's I'm so interested to see what's going to happen. But what I'm disappointed about is we probably won't get to see, we'll see. Some of the players will get to, I think someone like Enzo is going to play all the time because he's spent so much money on him. So I think he'll play quite a lot. I think they're going to try to convince Felix that Chelsea is a good place. So I think that he might stay, um, play a lot, even though he's on loan. But again, what does that mean for the other players? I think there's so many questions and the only way we can answer it is by watching. So yeah, we've had a, some good debates, uh, Babs. This Chelsea hour, obviously football, the last game was ages ago. We've got a game on the weekend. We don't want to be disappointed, but who knows what's going to happen? It's West Ham. Um, any predictions for the game? Um, before we do predictions, do you want to do listeners' questions before we do predictions? Or we have got listeners' questions. God, damn, I was just wrapping it up. You could hear my tone of voice. I was wrapping this. Shit up. <laughs> we have. Do, 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 do to get them up? Yeah, get them up. They've spent the time doing it. Cool. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. All right. Cool. So, first question in. From Josh, you know, I know I, I've seen you, Josh. You know, trying to steal my, some of my stocks are underrated. Don't, don't think I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen you, but you know, it's, it's all cool. It's all cool. <laughs> with the with the transfer window now closed and an influx of talent brought into the club in key areas, what are the expectations of the manager from you guys for the rest of the season? What is the minimum that you'd expect to see from the team based on the talent, the talent that we have available? 
You can go first and I'll go second, but I've got a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, the, the most important thing is just to see like players get stability, you know, and, and consistency and just to, and just to see from Potter that he has an idea of who he wants to keep around and who he wants to get rid of. Just because I think if, if you do that, it just allows you to be a, a bit more like certain in your decisions within like your squad rotation. So I think if we get that, I'll, I'll be happy. Um, also, just to see that like, players gelling together and you start to see things that you can be excited for in the next season, I think that would be good. I think that's one of the, the, the biggest benefits for the January transfer window. One, they can impact your squad now. And two, it allows them to settle into the squad, if you get what I mean. So it's kind of like a, a preseason before a preseason. So, so that would be that for me. Um, in terms of expectations from Potter, um, I definitely expect more from him in terms of like how he um, sets us about in, in games. Recently, I've been like going back and watching a few games you know, from, from us since Potter's come in. And there's been a couple like consistent things that I've seen that I definitely think that we, we need to improve on. So I guess as long as that, like, what are those? What are those? So I think in terms of like over reliance on like certain players. So like I think for instance like Cucurella, um, I I I was defending quite a bit on the main board and on, on Chelsea, but watching back, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like what what I've seen has not been good. Like it, it, so when you yeah, say over, when you say over reliance, you you just not hmm. reliant. You're just saying that playing players that you don't think are playing well. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly, okay. and and yeah, that's tough because. You don't want to like continuously rotate between players, but I think if you if you do that in terms of like playing guys that are out of form, who aren't looking the, or who aren't looking the best, it's just one weak link within the team. So but I think to be fair, like, Chill has been injured, so I don't think that's a bit more of the. Oh no 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 no! no. I, I I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like going, I'm asking mean like going forward because obviously we've, we've seen Lewis Hall coming here and there. No, so. no, you said that you saw things that you didn't like um, mm. watching back. So I was saying, what what did you see that? You feel like he needs to improve on. Yeah, so just know. in terms of like, yeah, yeah. so I meant like in terms of reliance of like players who aren't really informed and not just that, but I, I guess in terms of like actually just having like a set like key group of players that you want to keep. I mean, like, it's obvious that the guys that you want to move on, you know, you're you're not too over like, reliant on them. So I think th- those would be like the, the two things for me. Okay, but okay, cool. Because I st- I still, yeah, no, I. St- because you said you noticed some things watching back, so I thought that maybe you had some interesting insights, but it's cool. Um, with uh, Potter, I think it's a difficult job. I feel like it's so difficult to judge him now. I think it's difficult to judge all of the players, which is in a place you, you don't want to be in this place. I feel like most managers in this place, it's so difficult for them because you freeze out players and you don't know if they're going to leave or not um, because maybe they're on big wages or whatever. But to be fair, there's some players you can just, like with Lukaku, for instance, Tuchel said, you know what, I don't rate you. And so second half of the season, he just had that reduced role. Um, and so it looks like Aubameyang's going to go, but we've got such a big squad, it's difficult. But I think a stronger manager, and we'll see how strong Potter is, would do what you're saying, Babs, in terms of just say, you guys don't have a future here, so we're going to stick with the people that do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Potter does in that regard, but it is so difficult, I think, looking at it. I know like we were all celebrating because the players was coming in, but I don't think it's necessarily an env- enviable situation coming in because I feel like sometimes when you have too much choice, um, it, it almost acts as a negative for you. And... I look around the squad and there's just so much choice. And even if you were to 
like for, for instance with Felix, it feels like they want him to come in. So it's almost like we got to play him. And then Sterling's just here. And it's like, okay, with Sterling, do you know what I'm saying? Like we can't upset him if because he's just signed a five year deal. But we've just signed Mudrich. Do you know what I'm saying? And then Nkunku's coming in too. So is there going to be... So there's just... I feel like he's such a big mess. So when you ask that question, what do I expect from the season? Um, I expect us to win the Champions League because whenever we do a big mess, then something crazy happens. But no, I don't... I sound like Lampard there. But no, I don't... <laughs> I don't... I don't... I can, it's so funny because I can hear the serious tone when you try to fix that yeah. up. But no, I I just feel like it's going to be a bit a bit a big mess, um, and so hopefully it isn't. But that's kind of what I predict. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So next question in from court from Raúl Cortez. Media and ITKs are saying that we're looking for a nine. We bought in Kunku, many wingers, yet no number nine. Potter says Chelsea, you know, have struggled in the past even with a nine. So mm-hmm. do you think the club will go for a number nine in the summer? Yeah, I think we're linked to it. Again, for me, like the whole kind of nine thing, I think as long as we get a goal scorer, and I think they, you have to think about what they do game to game. Um, so I think as long as we get a goal scorer um, in the 11, I don't care where they play. So I feel like when, I think I do think a lot of people said Nkunku's going to play out front for us. And I was like, he's not, he's not that player if we, that we, that in terms of what we're missing. And that player is a player that's greedy and is a player that is a shooter. So he's not a player that plays for the team. He's someone that he's got his own kind of, he's greedy. He's always been a striker. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? He's someone that shoots a lot. He's someone that we saw it with Lukaku, who's always been a striker. And he's someone that cares about himself. He's greedy. But again, they kind of have to fit into what we're building in terms of a young mobile team. Um, someone that's always hung, kind of hungry. And so we've been linked to uh, someone like Osimen who does kind of fit the bill with a lot of things. He's very, like a handful. Like, I'm a defender, so some of these guys, yeah, some of these guys, they look slim, but they're so strong and they just bounce, they just bounce off you. And he looks like, when I was a defender, people like him, I didn't like playing against because the tall big guys that weren't mobile, yeah, you're in a tussle with them, but you always know where they are. And you, you know what I'm saying? They're, you don't have to worry about them running behind you, but the guys that are like built like him, that are strong, but also like they run for days, they just give you a bad day. Did you just give you a bad day? And so I feel like with Osimen, <laughs> from from the sounds of that, Danny, it, it sounds like you had a, a player, a player in mind that you played against. A couple. This is what I'm saying, and I know how they're built, <laughs> and they're black. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I remember you, you're, you're talking about Jose's preference for strikers. Yeah. So Jose always Jose needs a black striker. I'm old, you know what I'm saying? So I remember Porto, Benny McCarthy. He had Benny McCarthy from Porto. He went to Chelsea. He said, get me Drogba. Before I land, you better get me Drogba. And they got him Drogba before he landed. He needed his black striker. They went to Inter Milan. He said, get me Eto. He even wanted Eto at Chelsea. But um, they went, Eto was at Barcelona and they had Ronaldinho and that type of stuff. So it didn't happen. So we got Shevchenko instead. Do you know what I'm saying? And he was like a Werner striker. But so he went to Inter Milan. He said, get, get me Eto. Get me a black striker. Not, you know what I'm saying? So he got Eto. Then he went to Real Madrid. And Real Madrid, it's difficult to get dark skinned players in, especially at that point. It was difficult to get dark. I, I didn't, apart from that. What are you saying then? Off, off the Royston the Royce Drente, they, they weren't trying to run that risk anymore. They're called Blancos for a reason. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but then he managed to get Adebayor in, 
even Essien, but that, like he needs a black striker. So that's why when he went to um, Spurs and Kane was there, I can't remember if they bought that Vinicius guy, in, but he doesn't count because he's not black, black. But to be fair, I will claim Diego Costa and we'll claim that Vinicius guy as the light skins, but usually he needs a black, yeah, you know, dark skin, the black of the berry, the deeper the root striker. And so when he went to Roma and he got Tammy, he's got that. Do you know what I'm saying? So he usually likes that kind of black striker. Um, PMP, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Very Joe Tweedsy likes that kind of, you know, that type of person. He probably, he probably give me a job just to play striker. Um, but Victor Osimhen is someone that, when you look at his um, goals, like with the Harlan, like when Harlan came through, it was always like, who's going to be the challengers? And I think looking at it, it, it always seemed like it might be Vlavic or um, Osimhen. Both of them um, seemed like they were good challengers, but specifically Osimhen though, because I think this is what happens. And it's kind of what happened with Felix, where people are saying, oh, Felix isn't a goal for it and stuff like that. He is a goal for it. But because he wasn't playing all the time and people look at totals, and this is the danger in general in football, people just look at totals and it's so dumb. But because Osimhen's been injured, but people looking at it now like, wow, he's scoring crazy amounts. He's been scoring crazy amounts, but he's just been injury prone. And so the danger if he does come to Chelsea for all of that money is, is he going to be injury prone again? Because he hasn't started enough um, for Napoli and um, it's a lot of money. And so you kind of want someone that's going to play 30-odd games. And I think this season he's done well, but he's been injury-prone, which is the big worry for Osimhen. Yeah. You, uh, you, but you, you know what? You know, sorry to interrupt you. The, the weird thing with, with Osimhen's injuries, they've been, they've been like really weird ones. It's, like, it's not like they're, they're like on the field kind of things like from like, like a muscle injury. It'll be like stuff like he'll break like a bone in his face or something like that. Like it's been yeah. like really, really weird injuries in, in, in that regard. Yeah, so, but, so, yeah, I, what I'm saying is like what he's doing now isn't a surprise. Like he, like I can't remember the, the numbers, but maybe last season he started ten games and got eight goals or whatever. But it's just like because those goals haven't built up because he hasn't been playing regularly, people haven't noticed how prolific he's been. But he's been prolific, um, and so if he comes here, he'll be an actual striker. Do you know what I'm saying? And like even when Brozier plays, I'm like, oh, an actual striker, someone with actual that that striker mindset, and so. Um, I'd welcome it. Well, like, we need that in our team. So, yeah, I'd welcome that type of move. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, the next question from a footballer is back. Um, he asked us, but I, want, I, just want to, I just want to look at his, his second part of his question. So, the first part was, do you think Potter should have a consistent lineup towards the end of the season? We both agreed that you should. And his second part was, do you, or do you think you could succeed without having a consistent lineup? What do you think about that, Dan? I don't, I don't think that, I, don't, yeah, should, I don't even think Potter should have a consistent because I always say like meritocracy and that's why I believe the squad should be small because I don't believe it's feasible for you to kind of let someone go on a bad run and have seven players waiting on the bench. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So I can't even say that Potter should have a line because we've got too many players. And so he has to be fair in a way, unless there's players like I agree with you. If there's players that you clearly see have no future here, and you can just say, you can say Sayonara, rock a bye, baby. But there, there are a lot of players that actually have just signed, or like someone out on low, like Felix, where you have to try to keep them happy. And a young player like a Chukwemeka, who do you know what I'm saying? And so like he's supposed to have a long term future here. So I, I'm not going to be against Potter rotating. I think it could be harmful for us because I just think it's more difficult to build momentum that way. So. I think it's wrong for me, like for you to say that I think he should, because I don't think he should. He should, at this point, 
like it's so difficult. Like unless he can really speech these players and say, "Listen, just for this season, I need you to kind of sit down and not play. You still have a future here, Chukwuemeka, but for now you're just young, and just for the rest of this season, I need you to sit down." And Ziyech, brother, I'm so sorry that the deal didn't go through, but you know, go to Edgware Road. I haven't been to Edgware Road, but people keep on telling Ziyech to go to Edgware Road to smoke Shisha. I don't know, but that's where they tell him to go. Um, and I feel like if he can speak to all of these people and then just kind of narrow it down, then that would be an amazing job. But I just think that um, it's going to be so difficult for him. And I think with this big squad, if players are out of form, then they kind of have to come off. If you've got options on the bench and you feel like they can... Do you know what I'm saying? You're going to think they're going to be able to change things and you're going to want to influence the results and you're going to want to bring these people in because you've got so many different options. So there should, I think is, I don't think that he should, um, I think it'll be tough to like, even me and I believe in consistency, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm in that position, I'm going to make a lot of changes just by the fact that there's so many players there. And in terms of can a team do well with, I just think you're giving, yes, a team can do well with anything. I'm saying Leicester can win the league, but I think that more te- the more you make changes, the more difficult it is to build momentum. And therefore, I think that generally, the teams that make more changes are always going to find it more difficult to um, to, to, to be as good. You're like, you kind of have to have players that don't need... Um, that maybe are happy, regardless of not starting all the time. So they, they kind of come on. And maybe you're always winning, so there's a feel-good you know, aura. And so everyone's just kind of happy to, but to build that, like, so when, when you're winning, everyone's happy, but when you're not winning and people are seeing this player is not playing well, et cetera, et cetera, it's so hard to keep a stable team. And so the only way Potter can do it is if he somehow manages to pick up pace, start winning, and then he's got the legitimacy to say to the other players, that this is a winning team, so I can't change it because they're winning. Do you know what I mean? Uh, agreed, agreed, agreed. And last question for Wizard Shy. Um, shout out you. That's what you tried to do to me during during the week, but you know, f- fair enough. I I, I respect it. <laughs> what what is the most ideal attack in terms of numbers and roles? The most ideal attack in terms of numbers and roles. Obviously, yeah. we talking about the most ideal attack. It's just everyone scores fifty goals. Do you know what I'm saying? In terms of but but. <laughs> But to, really, to be fair, in, in, in his examples that he made in terms of like the split between like positions of like strikers, wingers, etc. 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 Because I know we, we had that discussion about like um whether it be like five over like four positions or like seven over four positions, etc. Oh, so that's, that, that's that's what you meant. If that if you know what it is pure numbers. I think I think I always look at not because people do like Champions League appearance and, and, and FA Cup, etc. etc. I think your bread. I think I always go to Premier League because we don't know how many games you're going to play in the Champions League. Whether you're going to go far, low, or the FA Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know that it's going to be 38 starts, um, and it depends on the formation. So if you're playing three up top, you do 38 times three, um, and it's like 100 and something, 114. Let me just check my maths. Yeah, it's 114. 114. I did get an A star. Um, and then, and then if you divide that by five, you see you get um sorry, my math's not that good. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. And I think that I feel like 
that's kind of what you should be looking at in terms of that average. Now, the fact that it's 22, I don't think it's... Is that enough starts? Let me finish. I don't think it's good enough for a player to get 22. But the fact that it's a 22 average amongst five, that's good. So the idea is, isn't that every single here play, uh, every single of the five players play 22? Actually, what you're saying is three of those play about 30, then the other two kind of play start about 10 each. Do you know what I'm saying? But really and truly, it depends on the formation. So if you're playing just three attackers, then I think you should have five attackers and I think between those five you can have three senior players that touch wood they all stay fit and they start around 30 to 35 games and the the rest of the starts gets divided up against the other two um but obviously with injuries then the other two kind of get more and then if you're playing like right now it seems we're playing more of a 4-2-3-1 in the 4-2-3-1 you're playing four attackers and so in that case again you do four times 38 it's simple maths, 155. 155 divided by uh, 6 is 25. That's even higher than the 22. Um, and so it's really and truly, all you need to kind of think about is, I want, if we're playing three up top or four up top, I want around three players to play 30-odd games if everyone's fit. I want about four players to play 30-odd games if everyone fits. Then I want about two players to supplement them and to be there just in case there's injuries. So I think, for me, um, if we playing currently with the 4-2-3-1, I'm happy for us to have six attackers. And even, like, um, six attackers. And then I'm thinking about Broja. Broja might be even too old at this point. But, like, a Chukwameka to be a seventh. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm happy to have six and then one apprentice. With the... Um, with three up front, I'm, I'm happy to have five and one apprentice at most. Do you know what I'm saying? But And when I say that apprentice, I'm talking about that player knows that they'll be lucky to start a game. Do you know what I'm saying? That could, and, they, and they're just happy. Oh, yes, I've got to start a game. They're not looking at, oh, I need to start all the time. Um, and just when you look at it, like, yes, Jesus is injured now and then Ketty has come in. But, like, I don't understand why you want so many players. Like, like it, it might make you feel better that you've got nine players, but when it comes down to it, um, you see Arsenal, and isn't it embarrassing when you've got nine, 50, 60, 70, 80 million players, and they, for, for whatever reason, I know the reason, because there's not enough space for them to cook, they're not playing well, whereas Arsenal have Martinelli, Nketiah, and Saka, and they're winning. That's fucking embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing, and it's only because... You can't, you're not brave enough. You're scared shitless because someone might get injured. So you're, you're building a squad like with 12 different attackers because you're scared shitless. Whereas Arsenal are just saying, I could, we'll trust in Ketia. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I just feel like we need to be a bit more brave. And that means by having a smaller squad. And it, and it means to do the maths. And it's just like, I think if we currently we're playing a 4 2 3 1, which has four attackers, which is good because it means that we can have about, I think, six attackers. Um, and maybe a seventh, a young guy, like 18-year-old or whatever. Very, very well put. Very, very well put. I, I, I like the answer. I like the answer. I like, I like, the, I like the way you came to it in terms of like, with, with the maths, because it, it does check out it, and it does add up, because it, it also leaves like surplus for games as well. So like it's kind of like a minimum buffer. So I think yeah. in terms of like how you want to look at it, I think for the attack in particular, I think that's like a, a good way to, you know, to really calculate that. So last question from Rick, um, the resident United fan who loves to ask us, you know, questions. Uh, for a club like Chelsea, 
where's the line drawn between development and win now? For example, people wanted to give Cobham a chance, but not also wanted, but also not wanted to drop points. Is there a middle ground? Uh, yeah, Chelsea are a bit schizophrenic on this. Chelsea fans are a bit schizophrenic on this, and we see it all the time with um, the excitement around Amari Hutchinson, the excitement around uh, uh, Chukwemeka, um, and then as soon as they play, the balloon bursts and it fizzles. And a lot of these guys, they uh, it's coming from a good place wanting young players to play, but they don't have the minerals for it. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't have the minerals. It's not even just young players. It's players in general. They don't have the minerals. They feel like gold diggers. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they feel like gold diggers. Do you know, like, a lot of these guys, they're just worried that this gold digger is just with them for the money. And if the money goes, then they're out. Like, as soon as these players hit 23, 24, like, when they're 18, it's sexy to them. It's, it's, and that's, that pause. But, do you know what I'm saying? I was going to say, oh, <laughs> When they're younger, that's how they act. When that, that's the. Oh, that's yeah, how they... sound, sound a bit like Leonardo DiCaprio right there. Oh, no, that's exactly where it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these guys are so in love with potential. They're so in love with potential, and potential. Like we, I think Rashford's a, a good one because we've seen him kind of hit the highs and then hit the lows and hit the highs, and it hasn't always all come together. And I just don't think Chelsea fans in general they're not they're not ride or dies like that. Do you know what I'm saying? And so. Uh, the way they act, the way Chelsea fans act, I don't think they should really. I don't think they're really like a youth club. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, that's the way that Chelsea fans, the way I see them, the way that players kind of spoil like milk for them. They're not really ride or die um, fans like that. Um, so I feel like the way that the fan base acts, I feel like Chelsea just should just focus on buying ready players. But all these ready players, again, like we've seen, they've tried to do it, and even them, they kind of need love. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, so so, but in terms of the kind of whole Cobham youth thing, I think the good thing about with Bowley and them is like they've kind of given Neil Bath and stuff like that. They've given them a foothold um, to do a lot of good stuff. So they, that's why we're linked with a lot of good young players. Um, even we've been linked with Ethan Wanieri as well. So you can tell that um, at least in the structure, they've given people um, that care about youth important positions. So at least internally, there's those powers, but there's also the powers to win. And we saw it under Roman Abramovich where it's like Roman cared about youth. And that's the reason why we've got this academy where people always, I don't know why people throw dirt on Roman's name. He's the fucking reason why you've got these young players that you fucking care about in the first place. Um, but there's always that negotiation between, and I think this is what the question is about, between winning right now and you see how Chelsea fans um, kind of really, really want to be at the top right now. Um, and again, we bring in Chukwemeka, but then we bring in a host of other attackers there. And so, it, I think Potter, the fact that Amari Hutchinson's started games, the fact that Chukwemeka's starting games, do you know what I'm saying? The fact that Lewis Hall's starting games, I think Potter has done really, really well to um, incorporate young players. And I think as long as Potter stays around, I can see that happening. But that's because Potter's not necessarily desperate for winning. And so, like, if Potter sticks around and if the management was kind of happy for us to kind of slow burn our way up, um, then maybe. But I feel like with all the money spent, like I said before, I feel like they might get frustrated and they might want winning straight away. And when you kind of chase that, that can get in the way of development. 
so yeah it's an interesting one to watch i think for me there can be a happy medium found um but for that happy medium it's found it's like with um guardiola when he came into barcelona and there was ronaldinho eto etc etc and then he was just i think he's brave and so he was brave enough to get rid of a lot of these names that everybody just rated so much and they weren't even not performing so like eto was still performing right but he was just able to say, no, I want to trust these young guys. Um, and he had the backing of the board as well. Um, and obviously it went well from the beginning, but I think there's there's just too much pressure on the manager currently. And obviously you can see it with the new players that are coming in. So I just think that um, it's difficult, but there's there's some good forces that are fighting their, 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 their corner in the, in the camp. Sorry, eloquently put. I think that's a perfect way to end the pod. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I I think halfway through the pod, you took over, or maybe it was listeners' questions. You took over hosting duty, so I'll I'll take us out. I'll take my job back. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening, um, and you can hear from us next week. All right, that's one. Sports Social Podcast Network.